going to prayer. God, thank you for the worship. Thank you, God, for what we have experienced on today. And God, thank you, God, for what you're going to enlighten us through your scriptures on today. In the name of Jesus, God, this we thank and this we praise you. Amen. Amen. Joshua chapter 14. We're going there. Joshua chapter 14. And particularly, we're going to be looking at verse 6 through 15. Verses 6 through 15. Amen. And I'm going to be reading from the King James, those who are able to rise to your feet in respect for God's word. Do appreciate you. Amen. All right, the Bible says, Then the children of Judah came into Joshua, came unto Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephone, the Kenzanite, said to him, Thou knowest, thou knowest, the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. All right, that's, that's passes alarm, y'all. All right, in Kadesh Barnea. Uh, forty years old I was, forty, I'm sorry, forty years old I was when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to a spy out the land and I bought and I bought and I brought him uh, word again as it was in mine house in mine heart nevertheless verse 8 says nevertheless my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt but holy but I wholly followed the Lord my God and Moses Swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast, here it is again, wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10 says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spoke or spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Verse eleven, he says, "As yet I am as strong as yet I am as strong this day." as I was the day that Moses sent me, and my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Never, never, uh, now, I'm sorry, therefore, give me this mountain. Let me read that again. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest, in that day, how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Verse 13 says, And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb, the son of uh, the son of Jephunneh, 
the Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the sons of Jephunneh, the, Ken, the Kenzanite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord, God of Israel. Last verse. And the name of Hebron before Kanesh Barnea, which, um, which Arba was a great man among the, the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Amen. May the God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. Jesus, help me today. You didn't have to agree. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Y'all pray for me. I'm struggling. All right. Amen. So I want to talk this day today about and from a very simple subject, and we're going to take our text from this text here. Uh, the subject is give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Amen. All right. By the time now we see in uh, chapter 14, we reach chapter 14, Israel has been involved in the business of claiming the, the promised land for quite some time now. They have been engaging in war. They've been engaging in battle and battle strategies. And they have won uh, some very decisive battles some very decisive victories. Now the time has come for them to um, divide the land and to give each tribe its inheritance. When the tribe of Judah comes forward, there's an 85-year-old man that steps forward, and his name is Caleb. A man named Caleb steps forward and to claim his inheritance, and Caleb now is the picture of the children of God. Caleb represents us. He represents us because as people of God, we should not be satisfied with the ordinary. We should just be satisfied with the status quo. And here Caleb is not satisfied with the status quo. He's not satisfied with the ordinary. He wants more. So God saves us and God promises us that we can have life and we can have victory. We can have intense spiritual joy with him. But rather than claim what is rightfully ours, yeah. amen, we choose to live in the spiritual wilderness. Uh -huh. We choose to live in, de in defeat. We choose to live in places called depression. So as a result, we miss out on things like peace. We miss out on things like joy. We miss out on things like fellowship. We miss out on things like the power and the glory of God. Yeah. And too many Christians are guilty of spiritual window shopping. It's window shopping. There's nothing wrong with window shopping, but you shouldn't just stop right there. The old story that says uh, that a uh, uh, husband asks his wife to say, baby, why do you call it shopping uh, when, when you go there and you never buy anything? And she replied to him, she said, well, why do you call it fishing when you go there and you never catch anything? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So as a believer, we need to do more than just window shop. We need to just do more than window shop the promises of God. 
And we'll hear the promises of God. We'll read the promises of God. We'll hear them preached and we'll hear them declared. But it's just, it's like we're just kind of window shopping it. We hear it, we see it, but we don't never buy into it. We got to buy into it. We need to appropriate these promises and we need to claim these promises for ourselves. Somebody say, I got to claim this for myself. Amen. Got to claim it for myself. So from, from the text that's before us, we're here again in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 15. I want to show us what it was that enabled this 85-year-old man. Notice I said he's 85. 85 years old to possess everything that God had promised him. Some of us are in our... 30s and some of us are in our 40s and some of us are in our 50s. Amen. I don't think we got some 60s yet, uh, but we, we are definitely in the 50s. Amen. Some of y'all old like Pastor Wayne. He old. He old rascal. I'm sorry. Amen. I'm, I didn't. I was illustrating the text. That's all I'm doing. Illustrate. Just, just illustrating the text. Amen. So, so, so if you're old and decrepit like he, no, I'm just joking, y'all. All right. Then even now, you may be saying to yourself, God, where is the promise? Where are the promises? Where are the victories in my life that, I, that you, your word declares that I should have? Well, here it is. We got to understand that we're dealing with it now with an 85-year-old man who have yet to receive his promise. Oh, God. So again, Caleb pictures the Christian who is willing to what? Pay every price. He's willing to fight any battle in order to win the victories that God had waiting on him. What are you willing to give up to receive what you've never had? That's a question. What are you willing to give up to receive what you've never had? Because the definition of insanity is to continue to do the same thing that you've been doing and never get any different results. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. So in these verses that we have here before us, we're shown how we claim our little part of Canaan. Canaan represents the promise. And we walk in victory every day. Amen. So now in verse 12, the text says this, that Caleb walked up to Joshua and says, now therefore give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. I want to I take the text again from this point and to show you the characteristics of Caleb's life that enabled him to say, give me my mountain. Give it to me. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Here's the first characteristic that we have to have if we're going to claim the promises and claim the mountain that we are, are to receive from God. Caleb was committed. Caleb was committed. Very simple, but very powerful. Caleb was committed. Commitment means to have a dedication to a call. So the first key of Caleb's success is that, uh, is that God had all that it was to have of Caleb. Question becomes now, does God have all that, it, that, that, that he needs to have of you? Or did you give God part of you? 
Notice now the repeated phrase in verses 8, 9, and 14. The words there say, holy. Look at that. Holy followed the Lord. W-H-O-L-L-E. I'm sorry, why? W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy meaning without any partiality, without any obstruction. He wholeheartedly followed God. This is said at least five times in the Old Testament about Caleb and three times right here. So the phrase means to close the gap. When you wholly follow God, it means to close the gap. It's the term that, that hunters use. Hunters use that term to say that they're closing in on their prey. They're keeping the distance at a very minimum, if you will. And if you're going to wholly follow God, you got to keep your distance at a very minimum. That's why uh, we sing songs like chasing after you. Chasing after you, no matter what I have to do, I'm chasing after you. We chase after God so we can keep the distance. Y'all too distracted, too distracted. Look this way. <laughs> you, uh, look this way. Uh, all right? <laughs> and you distracted me. All right, everybody, you know, amen. All right? So you have to keep the distance, which means you got to close the gap in on God. God don't mind you chasing him, and he definitely don't mind you catching up with him. He doesn't mind that. He doesn't mind that. But Caleb had a holy, he wholly followed the Lord. The gap was real minimum. Amen. Are y'all here? The gap was real minimum. The word holy literally means also to fill. What does that look like? It depicts now a sail that is filled to full capacity so that the ship can glide freely and fastly across the waters. When your sail is, is half lifted, that means that you're not going as fast as you possibly can. But when a sailor's sail is lifted all the way up, that means he wants to go at maximum speed. Caleb had his sail all the way up at maximum speed. That's the kind of commitment God is looking for. He's looking for a committed person that says, I'm not going to just have my sail halfway up so I can just creep a little bit, Lord. No, I want my sail all the way up. All the way up to full capacity so, 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 that when the wind, so that the winds of change come in and the winds of God come in to blow me where I need to go. I'm getting there at God's own timing. Holy followed the Lord. He had full wholehearted commitment. Every inch, every ounce, every nerve, every fiber that belonged to Caleb, it belonged to God. Committed to God. You may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not a preacher. Uh, I'm not a pastor. I'm not uh, anybody that, 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 that stands behind the pulpit. None of that matters. If you are saved, God wants all of you. He wants all of you. I've heard a person tell me one time, uh, uh, you, know, you know, we do church on Sundays and the rest of the week we do, we do what we do. That's not the life of a Christian. The life of a Christian is, is that you live God every day. Are y'all here? You don't just live God on Sundays. That's the stuff that's called stinking thinking. <laughs> Amen. That, that's stinking thinking. I learned that when I was going through N.A., Narcotics Anonymous. Amen. That's called stinking thinking. It's the kind of thinking that's skewed and messed up and causes you to end back, end back, end back up in the life of sin if you're not careful. So if you're holding back on God, then you ought to be ashamed of yourself. 
Because if you are saved again, you belong to God anyway. Anybody that's claiming to be saved, you belong to God. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20 says what? He says what? Now ye are, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Hmm? And ye are not your own. Look at this. You're not your own. Verse 20 says, uh, for ye were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Which are God's. If you are committed to God, you're going to have to act like it. Julius Caesar, when he, uh, <laughs> when he stormed the shores of Britain, he told his men, he says, now, I need you all to get up out of these ships. We're going to march up here to this cliff, and I want all of y'all to stand at the cliff, and I want y'all to look down. And when the men looked down, guess what they saw? They saw all the ships that they had sailed in on, they saw all of them burning. They saw all the ships burning. You know why Caesar did that? Caesar did that because they would not have uh, 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 any kind of reference point to say, at least we can go back to the ship. Nope, everything had to go forward. That's the kind of commitment God is looking for. Ain't no turning back. They had to go forward. There was no possibility of retreating. And when you get saved, when you become a Christian, when you become a, a believer, there should be no possibility of retreat. And what happens is in the life of believers, too often we leave ourselves an escape route to go back to the things that we have lot, casted out of our lives and, and, and so-called left behind, amen, and we go right back to, to that sin like a dog does vomit. I think we need to all be like Caesar. I think we need to burn the ships that lead back to that old lifestyle. Amen. We need to burn those bridges that lead back to those old lifestyle. Oh, God. And we got to set our minds on the task of following God to, so that we can conquer our Canaan. Amen. And be the Christians God saved us to be. <laughs> one little girl said about her daddy. It was three little girls talking. And one of them said about their daddy. said, my daddy is a doctor and he practices medicine. One little girl says, my dad is an attorney. He practices his law. Yeah. One little girl said, my dad is a Christian. He don't practice no more. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. He was running well. <laughs> but something cut in and hindered him. Something cut in and hindered him. Amen. Amen. So, so that describes the church a lot of times. That describe the church. All over YouTube, you can see people, you can see titles, ex-Christian, ex-pastor, why I left the church, why I left the black church, why I left evangelicalism, why I'm now a, a, a Hebrew Israelite, or why I'm now a Muslim, or, or why I'm now an atheist. Hmm. There were two folk. That, that, that they're, on, they're on YouTube right now. They were worship leaders um, and, and even in ministry uh, in, in the church. And now they, they're atheists. They're atheists now. Come on, y'all. Come on. We got to have some, some determination when it comes to following God. 
Caleb was committed. And again, the Bible says three times in this particular text that he wholly followed God. He put his whole heart and mind into following God. And the reason why we back up and the reason why we forget, uh, give up is because we have not fully committed to the things of God. That's just too hard. Jesus had some folk, amen, that, that, that just said, that those sayings are too hard, and we're going to turn around and go back the other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they did it to Jesus, they will do it to the church. Yeah. Some people will go to extravagant lengths to avoid doing what, what, uh, what they said that they, they promised God to do. Yeah. There was a man in Italy who was getting married, and, and, and uh, because he had uh, last-minute jitters, he wanted to back out of the marriage. And so in order to back out of the marriage, right before the wedding, he went and committed a robbery, a fake robbery. And then he left little trails uh, so that the police can find him. And just before he get ready to walk down the aisle, he got arrested. Great length to avoid doing what God says to do. Amen? Half-hearted Christians are faint-hearted Christians. And they never learn to conquer their giants. The story is told of a man who rode in his car as it was being towed to the repair shop. And when they, when they, rode to the, when they arrived at the repair shop, the tow, uh, tow driver told him, he says, I didn't think I was going to make it up that mountain. And the man didn't reply to him. He says, I didn't think he was going to make it up, up the mountain either. That's why I kept my foot on the brake. Y'all didn't get that. Y'all didn't get that. So to live without total dedication to Christ is the same as trying to go forward while you're looking backwards. You can't be dedicated to God and steady looking back, trying to see what's going on back there. Or steady looking across the fence to see what's better. What's better than where I am? What's better than following Christ? Because everywhere you look now, somebody is telling you that Christianity is wrong. Christianity is false. Christianity is not for us. And I'm telling you, it's been prophesied by some of the most evil people in the, in the, in the world and even some of the most hooligans, uh, uh, even in the music industry, that the church age will end and then Satan's age will reign. You got to know the times and the season that we're in. That many not only will wax cold, but many will fall off. Many are going to fall off. And I'm telling you, just as sure as my name is what it is, some of us even in here are dealing with doubt. Maybe I should be an Israelite. Maybe the Bible really not real. Maybe the Bible has been stepped on and tampered with so much that I can't believe it. You can't let folks tell you more about your religion. Yeah. Amen. Then, <laughs> come on. Come on. Let's be real now. Let's be real. How is somebody going to tell you about the Bible, amen, that don't read the Bible? Yeah. And then any, even if they do read the Bible, all you got to do is slow them down just a little bit and say, okay, let's take it line by line, word by word, and let's go ahead and get this thing. Let's see what you're talking about here. 
because I'm not impressed with folk that can throw me a document dump of scriptures. I'm not impressed by that at all. I, you know, there was a time where we used to be wild. Oh, he's a walking Bible. He can quote text. He can quote scripture. But you ain't got no context. Yeah. No context of scripture. You can't tell me exactly what that means. Just reciting words. Yeah, yeah see, it's in the New Testament. You got to keep the law. Oh, yeah? Okay, okay. So let's, let's, let's juxtapose that with the Old Testament word law. Right? All right. So, so now in the, in the Old Testament, it's the word Torah. In the New Testament, it's a whole different word. Uh-oh, what you going to do with that? But in the English, it's the word law. So what are we going to do with that? See, slow these people down when they're talking that nonsense. Slow them down and take them word by word, step by step. Let's keep going. All right? Caleb was committed. The next thing, characteristic of Caleb in, in chapter 14 of Joshua is that Caleb was not only committed, but Caleb was confident. Caleb was confident. Look at verse 12. He says, uh, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims, these were the descendants of Anak, the Anakims were there and that, uh, and that the cities were great and fenced. And if so be the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able, listen to this 85-year-old man talking. I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Confident at 85 years old. And some of us at 45 have lost our fervor. Come on now, come on. Some of us at 35 just want to give up and throw in the towel. Oh, Lord, it's just too hard. Caleb is 85 years old. 85 years old and still ready to fight. Still ready to fight. 85. What was it that gave this 85-year-old man the idea that he could kill giants? God's word. Very simple. God said, Caleb, you will do it. Yeah. Caleb says, even at 85, I'm still going to ride with what God said. Yeah. Yeah. At 85. Way back in Deuteronomy chapter 1, write that down, verse 34 through 36. God made a promise to Caleb. This is what God says. And, God, and, and the Lord heard the voice uh, 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 of, of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, surely. There shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, watch this, which I swear to give unto your fathers, save Caleb. Save Caleb, the son of Jeff, Je I can't call his name, Jephanah. And he shall see it. Listen. And he shall see it. And to him I will give the land that hath that, that he hath trodden upon and, he, and to his children because he hath, here it is again, wholly followed the Lord. Yeah. Caleb got a word from God. Hear what I'm telling you. Caleb got a word from God. He wasn't even 85 at this time. Caleb 
now is 85 years old and he's still riding with that same word that he got from God. The devil said it ain't going to happen. The devil said at 50, it's not going to happen. The devil said at 60, it ain't going to happen. The devil said at 80 or 70, it ain't going to happen. The devil said at 80, Caleb, you ain't, it ain't going to happen. But then it gets 85 and look what God does. You got to stay with God. You got to stick with God. I don't care how much doubt is sown into your life. You better stay with God. You better stay with God. You better stay with God. I can see Caleb now climbing that mountain. He got a sword in one hand. He got his deed to his property in the other hand. Caleb said, I'm going to do this thing. Give me my mountain. Because Caleb knew God had given him what he said he could have. And Caleb said, I claim it because God said I can have it. Let me tell you what faith is. First of all, I'm going to tell you what it's not. Faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not name it or claim it. Faith is not optimism. Listen. Faith is not looking on the bright side of things. I'm just going to look on the bright side of things. Faith, listen to me, is simply acting on what God said. Faith is simply taking God at his word and believing that he will do everything that he promised he would do. Oh, God. There was a captain who was on a steamboat, and the captain, the captain says, listen, listen. There was a lot of fog going on, and the steamboat captain says, I don't think we're going to be able to make it where we're trying to go. But there was a preacher. <laughs> there was a preacher on the steamboat, and the preacher says, listen, I got to get to Quebec because God told me I needed to get there. And so the captain says, well, preacher, I don't think we're going make to make it to uh, Quebec because the, the fog is too heavy. We're just going to have to wait. We ain't going to be able to make it there. The preacher says, come on with me. We're going to go down to the steam room and we're going to pray. And they prayed. And when the preacher got through praying, the captain got up and the captain got ready to pray. The, the captain and the preacher said, no, don't you pray. God has already answered my prayer. Amen. By the time they got back on deck, all of the fog had cleared. Don't tell me what God can't do. Don't tell me what God can't do. God is able to do whatever God says he's going to do. And Caleb at 85 years old says, I don't care how young or how old you are, you had better stay with God. Amen. You had better stay with God. Oh, Jesus. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 1, now faith is. You can stop right there and just preach that all year. Now faith is is it's the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and he goes on to give you a whole laundry list in that in that 11th chapter about faith and about the actions of faith oh god now faith is see it takes faith to win spiritual victories mm -hmm. it takes faith so caleb was committed caleb was confident caleb thirdly was also courageous Caleb was also courageous. Caleb's life led to confidence. And then his confidence led to courage. So Caleb had to overcome three things, three obstacles. 
three major obstacles. Pay attention to these. In Numbers 13.33, he had to overcome grasshoppers. He had to overcome grasshoppers. The Bible says, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, uh, which, which come which come of the giants. Then he says, and, and, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself in the midst of your persecution? In the midst of the giants in your life? Anybody ever seen the picture of the, of the, little, of the little cat looking in the mirror, but what he sees is a big lion? Mm-hmm. That's what God is saying to us today. You got to look in the mirror. See, see, the Bible talks about looking into the perfect law of liberty. You got to look into the perfect law of liberty. You may be small. You may be uh, or seem in insignificant. Or you may think that you're a grasshopper. But you got to look into the perfect law of liberty and see yourself like Jesus sees you. Yes. Strong and mighty. Powerful. Able to, 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 to leap over buildings in a single bound. Look up. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. <laughs> you got to see yourself like that. Because if you don't see you like that, who else is going to see you like that? And whatever you think about yourself that exudes out of you, that aura is around you and people pick up on that. They pick up on your insecurities. And guess what? Either they're going to help you out of them or they're going to play you out of them. One of the two. If you're insecure and you got an evil person around you, he going to use you up through your insecurities. This is why you got to be strong. This is why you can't fall out. So for Caleb to claim what God promised, he had to go against the majority. The majority say, man, we ain't going to make it. Look at these big old giants. We ain't going to make it. We like grasshoppers. We like grasshoppers in their sight. They too big for us, man. We're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. But Caleb had to go against the status quo. Amen. He had to do it. And so there's always somebody in your ear that can tell you what you can't do. That can tell you how it cannot be done. That can tell you this ain't going to happen. They'll even give you statistics on how somebody tried in the past. But, 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 but I serve a God that's bigger than all of that. I serve a God that's bigger than all of that. In John chapter 6, I alluded to it earlier that Jesus, even Jesus, the Bible says that, that many turned away from Jesus and deserted him because his teaching was too hard. And sometimes you've just got to stand alone because if, if, you're, if you're standing on God's word, amen, if you're standing on God's word and in God's will, then you're standing in good company. Oh, God, if you're standing on God's word and standing in God's will, you are standing in good company. You're standing in good company. Secondly, he had to overcome giants. In Numbers 14, 8 through 9, he had to overcome being a grasshopper, looking like a grasshopper, thinking he was a grasshopper, and then he had to overcome giants. All of us have giants in our lives. We got giants of discouragement. Giants of financial issues, giants of sickness, giants of family, <coughs> giants of distress, giants of doubt, 
giants uh, uh, that, that don't tell us the truth. Amen. And we can't defeat them ourselves. We have two options. Here it is. We can either look at how small we are in comparison to our giants. Amen. And this is what, this is what the Bible says uh, when God says that I did not give you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When you got the spirit of fear, that means you're looking at yourself the way God says for you not to look at yourself. God never told you to stand before your giants and be fearful. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. That's what he told Joshua. Or we can look at how small our giants are in comparison to how great our God is. Mm -hmm. This is called faith. Hallelujah. There was a runner. I think y'all saw the video. There was a runner who was running, and um, he was running a marathon, and he was running and running and running. And all of a sudden, he pulled up what we call pulling up in, 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 in track. They call it Charlie Horse or a muscle spasm in his leg. Yeah, and he was running and running and running. He broke down. But he kept trying to go, kept trying to go, kept trying to go. The crowd was cheering him on, crowd was cheering him on, cheering him on. And finally, out of the crowd runs a man that comes out of the crowd. And the man locks, under, locks, locks his arm under around him, and he helps him. And they both hobble together across the finish line. This is a picture of what God would do to you. If you keep on going. See, some of us get hit with something and we fall out. Yeah. But God says if you would just, see, what did he tell Gideon? Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Not the strength that I, not, not, not the supernatural strength that I'm, I'm going to give you. But just if you would get up and go in the strength that you have. If life hits you and wounds you, you're still breathing though. You're still breathing. You're still living. Get up and hobble. Just hobble. And before you realize it, you, huh? your pasting picked up. Your pasting picked up. They took my car. They took my house. Somebody died in my family. But all of a sudden, the pace picks up. Why? Because God grabs you, and God says, I see he trying. I see he trying. And guess what? The runner made it across the finish line. And there were many in the crowd who were cheering them on. And this is what Hebrews talks about. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that no matter what hits your life, God is able to strengthen you and bring you on across the finish line. He'll do it. That's the stock you were made from. She never meant for you to give up. She never meant for you to fall out. She means for you to keep running. That's the way she bred you. That's the way she raised you. We are built for this. We don't give up. We don't retreat. We don't fall back. We're built for this. 
You was a soldier before you went to the Marines. He had to overcome gray hair. Joshua 14, verses 10 through 11, he had to overcome gray hair. Don't despise gray hair. The Bible says in Proverbs that gray hair is a crown of splendor obtained by a righteous life. What does this tell us? It tells us that when God makes us a promise, that he will give us the strength to see it through. So we can't count God out. We can't never count God out. True faith, listen, looks beyond the present circumstances to see the provisions of God. It looks past the present circumstances and sees the provisions of God. Jesus, the Bible says about him that for the joy set before him, he endured the present circumstances was was the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the present circumstance called the cross. For, for, for the joy set before him, he endured going through the cross. Huh? Your cross. No cross, no crown. All right. Let's move on. Caleb, last point. Caleb was committed. Caleb was confident. Caleb was courageous. Lastly, Caleb was a conqueror. That's what happens to folks that are committed, confident, and courageous. They eventually conquer. Conqueror. <laughs> when, that's when, we, when, we read, when we did the song this morning, amen, I was just leaping inside. Caleb experienced God and what God had promised. He climbed the mountain, he defeated the giants, he claimed his possession. The name of the place, listen to this, the name of the place that Caleb had inherited was called Hebron. Y'all know what Hebron means? Fellowship. Fellowship. Caleb refused to give up until he had fellowship. Yeah. Fellowship. Fellowship. He says, I got to conquer the enemy in order to get to full fellowship. That needs to be our battle cry today. We have to refuse to give up. We got to refuse to shut down, to go back, to be held up until we have totally stood up, totally lined up, totally read up, prayed up, confessed up, stored up, and spoke up, and looked up, and filled up, amen, on everything that the Lord wants to give us today. They got, some, they got to be a refusal to accept anything less than what God says. Anything less than what God says is a no-go. It's a non-starter. God has spoken to some of y'all personally and told y'all, there's a promise waiting on you somewhere, but the devil ain't going to let you have it uh, without a fight. That's what Israel was all about. They went from one fight to the next. 
one fight to the next. And everywhere, everywhere they went, they had opposition on every hand, opposition on every hand. And some of them fell off into idolatry and disobedience, all that kind of stuff. Amen. But they had to keep going. And each time they cried out to God, God delivered them. He delivered them. So what about you? Have you entered your Canaan? Have you claimed your possession? Amen. Uh, is it not God's will for you to claim your possession or is it God's will for you to continue to wander around in the wilderness? Because there's going to be trials. There's going to be oppositions. Amen. God had a flood for Noah. He had a fire for the three Hebrew boys. He had a lion for Daniel. Come on. He had a cake for the widow. He had a cross for Jesus. Opposition. Oh, Father, let's stand to our feet.